Hi everyone, and welcome to another episode of Defense Deconstructed on the CGEI Podcast Network. I'm the producer of the show, Charlotte Duval-Antoine. On today's show, which we're recording January 19, 2023, Dave Perry is talking about personnel management, Canadian Armed Forces Reconstitution, and culture change with Chief Military Personnel, Major General Lise Bourbon. Defense Deconstructed is brought to you by Davy Shipyard. Founded in 1825, Davy is a premier builder of advanced specialized icebreakers and many other ships for the Government of Canada and the private sector. As Canada's longest established, largest and highest capacity shipbuilder, Davy has delivered many of the most pioneering vessels ever built in Canada. Davy generates thousands of good jobs and billions of dollars for Canada's economy. Through its work, Davy is helping to build a sustainable marine industry, combat climate change, defend sovereignty, support trade, generate exports, and unleash the potential of the communities it serves. Uh, General Bourgon, welcome to Defense Deconstructed. Hey, thank you, Dave and Charlotte. It's a pleasure for me to be here today. We're going to talk about a number of different personnel issues that the Canadian Armed Forces um, are working through at the moment and some different initiatives. But before getting into some of those specifics, could you just talk a little bit about your organization uh, and what it does and how it kind of fits within the various different human resource related activities that happen for the Canadian military? Yeah, um, so chief military personnel, military personnel command, depending how uh, is is as the, probably the largest portfolio of the CAF. So I am the uh, human resource expert for all military people uh, in uniform. And the, 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 the duties or the range, the portfolio really goes from uh, reten- uh, recruitment to basic training. I have training education. So the military college, uh, staff college in Toronto, the OSID Institute for uh, non-commissioned members professional development. I have all of the HR policies uh, like pay and benefit, uh, career management and succession. I also have health, health services. So the 14th biggest uh, health agency in Canada works for me. And then, of course, uh, CAF Transition Group. Um, so very wide portfolio, about 18,000 uh, people. So really, when you look at it, Cradle to grave is uh, is all of the activities that I I manage. Okay, and so you have uh, stepped into that very broad and expansive portfolio at a, a very I guess uh, unique moment in time uh, for the CAF, uh, and you're in this position um, with a bunch of different issues going on. Um, obviously, there's been uh, the whole discussion about conduct and the armed forces, but there's also recruitment, uh, retention um, challenges in the last uh, piece, particularly as we're coming through wherever we are now with uh, with the pandemic. Uh, and the chief of defense staff has, has kind of discussed all of those as being an existential um, set of situations. You've been in the position for, um, a year or a little bit beyond a 15 months as the acting i was the deputy before i guess can you just at a high level give give a bit of reflection about all of that uh tied into the very expansive set of responsibilities that your organization has from cradle to grave running healthcare transition uh training and, and a whole sweep of of activities and um talk a little bit about what you're most focused on at the moment yeah of course well the um 
you know, the, 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 the priorities come directly from the chief of defense staff. And, and right now it's very clear that reconstitution is my number one priority. And as part of reconstitution, three lines of effort, the recruitment, the training, modernization, and of course, uh, retention so that we can keep as many people as possible. Uh, the second priorities is the culture evolution. Uh, the way I see it, General Carignan is the team captain working uh, as the commander of chief um, um, chief professional conduct. It's it's always difficult. Uh, she's the the team captain, but all of us as L1 commander, like you know, the Army, the RCAF, the Navy, and Softcom, we're all playing our, our on our team as key players. So from uh, within CMP, we've developed a campaign plan looking at the entire CMP organization because we realize that inclusion and culture evolution, there is really no magic solution. So we need to look across every domain to address the structural and the cultural inequalities from recruitment, retention, health program, performance reviews, succession planning and promotion, uh, career management, the education and the training, but also the family support. So within my command, I own uh, just slightly over 600, 600 different policy instruments that all have to be reviewed to take into a better consideration for a GBA plus analysis and mine. Okay. And I always say that uh, we have to remember that the CAF uh, was built for men by men so that the majorities were, were designed for them. So now it's time to go back to the drawing board if we really truly want to be a more inclusive force. So as you can imagine, 600 policy instrument, this will, this will take time. And that is uh, additional to that part of our culture evolution is also looking at the work to implement Justice Arbor's uh, recommendation. So, of course, there'll be a significant amount of work required on this for the next few years, if uh, I have to be honest, and also for the reviewing all of our policies. And finally, my my number one, uh, my number three priorities is all the other core activities that CMP is responsible to deliver, as I stated at the beginning. Okay, so and on top of that, you got to add the CAF uh, governance activities, the business planning, and of course, there's always, uh, a, you know, a crisis that's added into every day, if not day, at least a week. So that's that's really where I focus my work right now. I'm going to get you to, to expand momentarily on, on the reconstitution strategy um, part of that that was originally come up. But so you talked about uh, many, many different policy instruments. Could you maybe just give a bit of a, a couple of examples? Like what, what do those look like um, in terms of like what, what are the specific types of policies um, that would fall under your purview that that uh, your um, that your organization is, is in um, in charge of? Yeah, well, many uh, many policies on on succession planning, on promotion factor. When you look at health, the same way, uh, movement. You know, like benefits that we get when we move from posting from one place to another. All of these policies uh, do belong uh, to CMP, and these are the ones that we really need to look at it and 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 uh, modified for a GBA plus uh, full uh, review. Okay. 
So to come back on the, the reconstitution strategy, so in, in the fall, um, there was a document released uh, publicly and, and there's been significant effort at that. And I think just building off of uh, what you were just talking about, about kind of the breadth of the different policy instruments that you uh, that you touch on, um, there's a essentially an overhaul of the wider set of personnel management systems and, and different um, approaches to that in the CAF. Uh, so just can you elaborate a little bit about how the the reconstitution strategy uh, is mapping across that wider set of you know cradle to grave aspects that you're talking about? Yeah, well, uh, if you had the chance to read the CDSDM reconstitution order, uh, you will have realized that it's extremely ambitious and it will be very challenging from a chief military uh, personnel because there's a lot of tasks that were given to us. But honestly, it, it has to be done if we want to stay relevant and continue to attract Canadians. In a way, I kind of have to modernize the entire organization to make it more efficient. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, we have broken down uh, reconstitution into three lines of operation. So on the recruitment, uh, you know, the impact of COVID really stopped all of our outreach activities with the communities. We couldn't go into high school anymore. We couldn't go into the different communities, open house. So we need to restart that so that we get that connection with uh, Canadians. Uh, we have to streamline our recruiting process, which is complicated, burdensome, and not super fast. So faster and more efficient. We got to look at the greater diversity and, and recruitment also. And I think that the permanent resident file was an exceptional uh, program. I mean, uh, it was open uh, early in November, and so far we have more than 5,000 uh, permanent resident application to the CAF. So great success. Okay, uh, we're looking at the training, the the really the the training uh, maximization. How do it's great to get people in the force, but we need to accelerate uh, their path from recruit all the way to operational functional point. How do we get individual ready to deployed and and be operationally ready to contribute as fast as possible? And the retention, of course, um, many effort on this uh, on this front. Uh, we just released uh, before Christmas the retention strategy that really focuses on unhealthy uh, attrition, but retention. How do we keep our people in the CAF as long as possible? If I had my say, everyone would complete at least 25 years of service. That's how we, we need to get that. Um, we need to listen to CAF members to hear why they're leaving uh, the forces, the dissatisfiers. And we've heard, you know, the cost of living, pay and benefits, the career progression, including moves, okay, the family support, um, such as the availability of daycare. So all of those things are our are initiative that we're working on. I mean, of course, nothing like not everything will be uh, delivered in the next six months. Some of those initiatives are a bit longer time frame, like the daycare, but we, we have to get there. OK, and and transcending those three lines of effort is also the need to look at digitalizing. I can't say that word. I'm French. I'm sorry, but uh, digitalizing the enterprise because as many, uh, many, well, the majority of our process are still archaic using spreadsheet and database that are truly not integrated. So if we really truly believe and we need to be more efficient, we need to evolve to the uh, fully integrated digital uh, processing. This episode of Defense Deconstructed is brought to you by Irving Shipbuilding. 
Canada's National Shipbuilder is currently hiring. For more information on the many jobs and opportunities currently available, please visit www.shipsforcanada.ca slash careers. You talked on different efforts uh, around um, retention. I guess, are there, are there particular kind of thoughts about what uh, what uh, what are the key areas of focus? I mean, hearing lots in various places in the the civilian economy um, about childcare. I'm certainly I fall into that bucket, and I was waiting quite expectantly for that to get resolved in Ontario. Um, so there, there's things like that. Uh, there's affordability of, of housing, uh, job satisfaction. I guess um, are there particular particular aspects of that? Uh, recognizing that that effort is pretty broad, broad looking, but that you think are going to um, have the the real kind of potential to bear fruit. That's a good question because you know I wish I had a, a magic wand, but there's not one answer. People leave the military for a different reason. So now with the retention strategy, we're doing an exit interview so that we have a better idea on why people leave, so that we can have programs in place, so that we we mitigate uh, the exodus of our CAF personnel, so that we can have truly answer what what they need. So of course we know that daycare is very very important, especially for women, let's be honest. Uh, there's still that burden that is a little bit more reflected on women than on men. It's it's very important for men too, don't get me wrong, but um, uh, but the cost of living is, is another one. How do we provide support? I mean, the cost of living is a challenge for every Canadian right now, but we are really uh, asking CAF members to move from places to places because of their duty, because of uh, what we ask them. So we have to help them there. So many initiatives that we're developing. We are reviewing the the, the post-living differential who has not, you know, its policy has not been updated to, to since 2008, uh, working very hard. And I think we're really close to a solution and, and an announcement. I can't talk about it more than that, but many, many initiatives are on the go to try to look at the different reasons that people leave the CAF. And just for folks that uh, might not be familiar, the post-living differential is basically a, a policy instrument to try and compensate for the fact that as a, a service person, you could be sent in various places across uh, the country where the cost of living can be massively different. Uh, exactly. So if you're living in Toronto compared to living in Halifax or Quebec City, that's uh, an amount of money that you get each month to compensate. And so, again, going on the kind of the breadth of the efforts on the retention strategy, um, there's presumably a lot of different uh, organizations that might play a role in that. Can you can you talk a little bit about, um, so there's the different conduct initiatives and chief professional conduct culture and what they're doing, other parts of the organization. I mean, is this meant to be like a team effort around retention or what's the kind of division of labor? Yeah, that's uh, interesting. But one of the main objective of the CAF uh, reconstitution order was really to identify the problem space and get the entire team to work together to solve it. So this is not something that 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 CMP can solve and I can do on my own. Uh, yes, I'm responsible for all CAF personnel, but the Army, the Air Force and the Navy have a huge part in enabling CMP. After all, you know, they're employing day-to-day uh, -day our soldiers or aviators and sailors, and uh, they need everyone in order to meet their operational capabilities and mandates. So it's a, it's a team 
it's going to take a full team effort to succeed. But you know, it's important not to forget the D and D side too, because they have a big play, a big part to play in reconstitution, like public affair. Uh, that's our outreach activities, our media campaign, the facing with uh, with Canadians, ADM material, who does a lot of our contracting support, information management for helping us into that. You're going to ask me to do to say this word again. Digitalization uh, is going to be very uh, important. So I joke around that I might be driving the bus, but everyone, all the L1s and the ADMs are all on this bus with me. So reconstitution is really everyone's uh, responsibility and, and they all get it. So we're all working together, uh, juggling, of course, different priorities and resource level. I mean, I'll be frank with you, it won't be easy with the staffing difficulties and the more than 8,000 uh, CAF members, you know, the whole that we have right now, uh, like in my organization and all the other uh, organization uh, also. So we'll need to prioritize activities and accept that, you know, uh, accelerate some, but that means that some of them might slow down or put on hold for a while because we can't do everything right now. And and honestly, I'd also be remiss if I did not uh, mention the support that we've been receiving from outside agencies that will be vital to our success. Like IRCC has been extremely supportive in our effort at recruiting permanent residents, uh, which is great. Uh, because we need as you know we need to recruit more uh, diverse population and permanent resident is a, a great source of that diversity we've also received like excellent support from treasure board secretariat and also from the PCO because we need them on board to help us on many of our retention initiative. So as the, the daily management uh, goes, like we have regular governance meetings on the progress uh, where we discuss all of us, the challenges and how we can support each other. And on the culture piece, uh, Lieutenant General Carignan and I, we meet regularly, at least every two weeks. Uh, we chat again on progress, what are different priorities and the short term work that both organizations are doing, because it's really important that we stay uh, tie at the hips to ensure that we align our work. Uh, but again, like everything that I can do to support our mandate, uh, I'm more than happy to uh, to go along because uh, culture uh, evolution is everyone's responsibility. So you've sketched out uh, kind of the breadth of the organizational involvement. Uh, can you talk a little bit about, like, I guess, the kind of the vertical or the hierarchical uh, depth to it? So you're you're leading the organization, but uh, what's the um, how how deep into the structure of the organization down to commanding officers, non-commissioned members? Do these various initiatives go? Like, is this you're talking about the scope, I guess, laterally, but if you're looking down into people that are leading and commanding officers of units uh, and the senior enlisted personnel there, what's the kind of the, how, how much are you relying on them to implement some of this versus having more top down driven types of policies? Yeah, uh, you know, again, when you look at uh, retention as one of my top priority, uh, there are many initiatives that are ongoing to improve it. Uh, and I stated quite a few, but we got to remember that we won't fix our retention problem from Ottawa. Okay, so there are a very large piece of our retention um, is about leadership. Okay, the hands on of supervisor. So it's kind of why part of our retention strategy uh, 
includes greater responsibility for the leadership chain at all level to play a bigger part and retaining our people. So for that though, um, leaders must take time uh, and know their subordinates, their aspiration, their desires, and their limitation too, such as, you know, special, uh, special family circumstances. You gotta know who your people are. And, and, and in a way, our new um, performance and competency uh, evaluation, you probably heard about PACE, is built exactly to support that communication between members and their boss. Uh, it calls for regular discussion, uh, short-term, medium-term, and long-term goals for each individual. So there's opportunities to discuss career progression, what people are expecting, uh, you know, movement or stability, uh, special circumstances, etc. So this communication really allows that triangle, which is really the member, their supervisor, and the career managers in Ottawa uh, to ensure that we manage individuals as per their desires. Of course, we need to balance the operational requirements of the CAF. We have a mission to do and we need the people to do that, but there is that balance. So that's the leadership piece that is extremely important at the entire, through the entire chain of command for that retention. When we look at, uh, at recruitment, um, you know, our sailors, our aviators and our soldiers are the best person to recruit more Canadians. So every interaction that they do, you know, like uh, a father or a mother goes to a, 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 a rink to for their, 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 their child to play hockey, the interaction that they have with their community to talk about the calf, you know, going into schools, um, the and like the, the real communication with the community. Like we know for women and also for um, EE groups, it's very, it's, they need that interaction. They need to know someone in the CAF that almost tells them that it's okay for them to apply, for them to make that move so that that one-to-one -one connection is key. So all of our CAF members need to be our recruiters because they are at the at the point of, of the spear and they have to be involved. So you know, everyone has a role to play again. That leadership from a retention perspective is absolutely essential. So as a, a last topic, you just there touched on the, the tie into the operational output um, for the CAF. And so I'm not going to ask you to, to talk about the defense policy update that's underway, but obviously, you know, there is policy discussion about what the future of the organization looks like. I guess if I were sort of characterize um, what you've been discussing is sort of uh, an adjustment about the wider set of personnel issues relative to kind of the status quo uh, CAF that's been positioned to do the existing policy direction at a time, you know, with Ukraine and lots of other things. There's at least a, an ongoing discussion right now about what the future might look like. What's the role of your organization in terms of having that human capital to support whatever the direction might be, but how much connection there is there about considerations around you know, the ability to increase the ranks, have retention, health and wellness. Like, What's the degree to which that factors into some of those big capital P policy decisions that, that would presumably be underway? Yeah, no, it's a super question because, you know, capabilities are all based on people. 
So you can buy as many ships or, or planes or fighters or army vehicle, but if you don't have the people to staff those uh, those equipments, you're you're no longer advanced. Okay, so the people is the core of everything we do. So how do we recruit and retain and train uh, our people for the next 25 to 30 years to be able to uh, operationally deployed as they're being told to do and and requested to. So I mean, it's the core of everything we do is the people piece. So it's important to remain agile and relevant for Canadians. Uh, well, General, thank you to, uh, for joining us today to talk about uh, the personnel issues. Uh, the last question I'll ask you, we ask all our guests uh, when you're not dealing with this, what are you reading? Yeah, that, that that's a super interesting question. I always have two, three, four books on the go, depending on how I feel and what I want to read. So usually there's always one uh, professional uh, development book. And right now I'm uh, reading Stephanie Von Ludke's new book on deploying feminism. I'm on chapter three. Uh, there's always a, a like a personal development uh, book and it's a strength to strength by Archer uh, Brooke. And I always have a fiction, a book that I can read when I don't want to think. I just want to relax and, and stay away from work. So uh, that's it. Okay. Uh, well, General, thank you so much uh, for joining us today on Defense Deconstruction. Awesome. Thank you for the invite. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of Defense Deconstructed, part of the CGAI Podcast Network. If you like the show, please remember to rate us and leave a comment on your podcast app. And if you like our stuff, please feel free to check out our donation page at cgaai.ca slash support. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. The podcast is brought to you by our team in Ottawa. Thanks go to our producer, Charlotte Duval-Antoine, and Drew Phillips for providing our music. I'm Dave Perry, and thanks for listening to this episode of Defense Deconstructed.